This is what camp's about. Who's with me? Keep telling your little story. What was that? Hello? Hello? Can anybody? Time for you all to leave. Hey. Clearly this group has no respect for my lab. Oh, Bumpy. Gave it a name that's precious. We're on our own. We've lined up exclusive behind-the-scenes tours of Jurassic World. Ooh. Yes! Dinosaurs? Plenty of dinosaurs. So, ready for an adventure? Absolutely. But I'm going to need that speech a little shorter and really try to lean into the majesty of this place. <laughs> okay, we're going now. Let's get the six of you to camp. Welcome, everybody, to the Jurassic Park Podcast. I am your host, Brad Jost, and today we're going to be discussing all of the juicy details, all those spoilers out there, every bit of information you want to know about Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous Season 2, with an executive producer on the series, Scott Kramer. I am very, very excited about this one because we got to talk about all the spoilers for Season 2. If you guys listened to our content around Season 1, we actually did a, a kind of lead-in interview with Scott and the other executive producer, Aaron Hammersley. But uh, this time, Scott was kind enough to join us for every detail that we wanted to discuss. So we saved this conversation to be released until after everybody hopefully has seen it. I mean, if you have not seen this season... Please do not listen. Do not listen yet. Wait. Go back to your Netflix account. Go watch the show. Get through all eight episodes, every single one of them, because we're talking about every detail. So everything that we could remember at the time. And uh, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I think there's some great tidbits in there. Um, you know, some explanations as far as uh, things that you guys definitely want to know. Of course, we don't know what's to come. So who knows? We'll have to keep our eyes open and hope and keep our fingers crossed that there's more content coming our way because season two was was a lot of fun, right? I mean, those cliffhangers, come on, we need some answers. So all I know is that I'm very, very excited for the future of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, and I'm excited for you all to learn a little bit more, at least for now, about season two. And of course, be sure to check out our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com. There's some great spoiler-based articles over there from Tom Fishenden. And speaking of Tom, he also has some great videos over on our YouTube channel. And finally, before we get into the conversation, we are collecting your thoughts, ideas, your theories, your feelings for Season 2 for an upcoming episode of the podcast. So please send us some voicemails over to our voicemail line, 732 825 7763 or you can record a message on your phone we all have that voice memo app just open that up and then email us a copy of that to jurassicparkpod at gmail.com and we'll go ahead and play all of your thoughts on that upcoming episode so stay tuned for that one but without further ado i present my conversation with scott kramer the executive producer on jurassic world camp cretaceous enjoy Oh, yeah! Feel the beat that I made! Are you ready, 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 Dave Special? So first off, I just I just want to first off say congratulations uh, on season one uh, and all the accolades within and outside the Jurassic community. I feel like it was it was just a major hit, it felt like, at least from our perspective here. You know, watching the community talk about it, watching people 
that you know I'm familiar with that may be a Jurassic fan, but not like the 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 hardcore fan that I know like a lot of people that listen to the podcast are. But it was it really like permeated uh, a good amount of the culture, and I thought that was pretty awesome. So congrats on that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, you never know. I mean, <laughs> especially with something like this that means so much to so many people. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Right before release, me and uh, Aaron Hammersley, the, the other EP, were saying like, "Okay, get off the internet because they're gonna be lying in wait." And you know, and some of the early before we released anything, some of the early like uh, conjecture was, "Oh, it's a kiddie show and this and that." And uh, for it to be received uh, like it's been received by the the community and you know, just the general public at large has been, you know, it's indescribable. It's so yeah. gratifying. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're real, we just, like I said, we're just really grateful that people yeah. seem to do. That's awesome. You know, it, it's a franchise that hasn't had the chance to really dip its toes into other markets outside of like the films, really. Uh, there's been a few things here and there, but this is like the first big expansion. And I think this first season was everything that we all hoped for. It was it was awesome. It was a great way to introduce everything. Uh, I had so much fun with it. Um, and I know, you know, last time we had a conversation, we talked about like uh, a lot of the details without spoilers and stuff like that. So I was hoping maybe I could ask you a little bit about season one before we get into uh, the season that's coming out here. Uh, this, this come, or I guess it probably came out by the time you guys hear this. So um, sure. mind, mind talking season one a little bit? <laughs> yeah, no, please, please. All right, cool. So I'm going to start off with a, you know, a pretty big concept that, that uh, came about in the show. We learn about this whole spy storyline and the fact that, um, a lot of whether it's data and samples, stuff like that are trying to get off of the Island. So mm -hmm. that's, that's Manicore. So like, where, can you talk about the concept for this company? Like how did this initialize? Where did it come from? You know, it was one of those things that it came up pretty early. Uh, I remember I had a, the thought of Manticore one night and uh, <laughs> the next day it was, I think it was in early days. It was just me and uh, Josie were, were, uh, were writing at, at that point. We hadn't really put the team together and just a waving about Manticore. It's like, because there were times we were going to fold Biosyn in early, but they weren't uh -huh. sure because, you know, <laughs> was still, I think back then was still writing the script for Dominion. And so Mm -hmm. We just thought, well, who's our, who's our biosyn? You know, what, what, what can be something like that? And I don't want to get, you know, too much in, into it. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. The idea of this, you know, look, since Wu cracked the code, this there's been, you know, multiple companies. This isn't just InGen and Biosyn. There's other places out there trying to get on the ground floor trying to make a buck off all this. And, you know, Manticore is, uh, is one of those companies. Yeah. I love this like deep history of other companies just trying to straight up steal from Jurassic. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it happens all the time. And I, it just makes me wonder like how much is that happening, you know, in sequences we're not seeing in, in, you know, uh, in storylines, but, uh, yeah, I love that whole, that whole thing. When the drone came down, I was like, Oh my God, what is, what is this? Who is this? Uh, what is what is the information? Of course, we see all that stuff on the computer, and it just led to us like you know theorizing so many things because we see like 
a bunch of different dinosaurs on the screens or, or the whiteboard. Um, we see like, you know, E750, uh, stuff like this, like all scattered around. And it just leads us like to piece these things together. Also the, the conversation about other guys, I'm just like, okay, what's going on here? Who are these other yeah. guys? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, then I guess what we were trying to do worked because oh, you're, yeah. you're thinking about it, you're wondering about it. And, uh, you know, it's out there. It's not going to, you know, we didn't put it there by accident. Yeah. So, I love yeah. that. I love that. Um, so I want to go over to Toro for a second, because that was such a, such a fun, uh, dinosaur. And I, I've, you know, I've throughout our rewatches and stuff like that, just been really noticing how that dinosaur is just stumbling all over the place. It's not used to, you know, walking on these, these slippery surfaces or stairs. I love this dinosaur. It's so much fun and it's, it's clumsy, but it's also like pretty intimidating all at the same time. And then at the end of the season, that thing just gets scorched. And I absolutely love that whole design. I thought that was, uh, that was pretty impressive. I, what, so like, talk about that design. Like when you were coming up with this whole storyline, you scorched that thing. So what was, what was in your mind there? Yeah. You know, we, uh, the idea of the kids straight up offing a dinosaur just <laughs> doesn't feel like our kids or our show. So, uh -huh. uh, but you also had to believe that Toro wasn't going to, you, you got to buy that Toro's going to go, you know what, I'm going to live to fight another day at, at mm -hmm. the end, you know? And so that was, you know, we really took pains in, in, into to making that work. So that was part of it. Because uh, and, and from acting to design to to the sound uh, effects, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that was really, you know, I put it down in the script, but it was really up to all these people to go, all right, I'm going to buy that Toro is not going to just chow down on these five kids. That Toro is going to go somewhere and, and lick his wounds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that these dinosaurs are believable in that sense. Like they, they, they can just barely miss all these kids so many times, but like this, this works because of these situations that Toro is put into. Um, mm -hmm. so with Toro, I, I know there's been a lot of fan chatter and stuff online about this Carnotaurus potentially being the same one that's at the end of Jurassic world fallen kingdom inside the, uh, Lockwood Manor. Did you, did that ever come into your mind or was that, was that a plan thing or no? I mean, we we kicked we definitely uh, kicked around. But I mean, I when we started writing season one, I don't even think Fallen Kingdom had come out yet. So okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there was some some talk about it, but you know, when by the time we get to the end of season one, Toro's extra crispy. Uh, you know, it kind of makes it hard to make it like, oh, it's the same dinosaur, you know, without, without yeah. going to a, a burn unit or something like that. <laughs> yeah. There's just something about the, 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 the design of the one at the end of the film. It looks a bit different than the one in the middle of the film or, or thereabouts. Um, so I know everybody's just like, all right, I, whether it's confirmed or not, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm in, I'm in okay. that idea. So. Um, all right. Well, I can't confirm it, Brad, but if you want to buy it. <laughs> we're we're buying I, it anyway. Same, you <laughs> same thing kind of goes with, um, and I know it's, it's said otherwise in the, in the first season, but like they're on the monorail and that explosion rocks the, the monorail. And, 
you know, later on, they, they kind of say, oh, I guess that's what the explosion was when you see the other monorail. But like, as soon as that happened in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that's definitely a rocket launcher blowing up Charlie out in the, the forest in Jurassic World. I was like, that's definitely that. But then they say otherwise. I'm like, oh, man, I still might believe it, though. <laughs> Well, it's also one of those things. It's the kids trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, uh, mm. originally the intent was that it was the other monorail. But yeah. uh, again, I'm not going to stop you. I want you to <laughs> believe what makes you happy. Uh, and who's to say that's not what it is? Because it's about yeah. the same time frame, you know, when they're yeah. out there in the dark. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And and also on that that whole sequence, Ben. Let's talk about Ben for a second because that was that was pretty dark, you know. To be honest, like Ben dangling from a monorail, falls, plummets, uh, what potentially to his death as we're we're watching that, and that's a brutal moment. So how do you balance that um, that darkness in a in a you know you kind of mentioned it before, but like a kid show or or kitty show or something. I don't think it is, but I'm just wondering yeah. how you make that balance. Uh, it's hard. You know, originally, because I was, it's, the tricky part was that is when after Ben falls, now we got to get on with the rest of the episode. And how do you tonally shift from that? So originally, I think I can say, originally, we were going to have Ben fall at the end of seven, at the end there. Mm. And then that we felt that, Okay, that way between episodes, it might be a little easier to transition into, okay, now we got to get to the boats mm -hmm. without feeling the kids are being cowards. But yeah. there's some, some rules where if you if you believe a character might be uh, dead, that if, if they're not, then you have to you have to answer that question in the same episode. So okay. where we at? So. So then we moved. So that was tricky. It's super, yeah. It was super hard. But that's when we kind of had, okay, well, what if something had like Darius all of a sudden having that realization that, oh, my God, the monorail's going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So and then the the urgency has to kick in there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, that, uh, that was hard to get right. You know, we tried it different ways in the script, uh, different ways in, in, in the storyboards. Uh, I think I think it ends up working, uh, but it oh, yeah. was that was a that was a really tricky moment to to get through because these kids do love Ben, but going back means that none of them are going to make it. Yeah, you can tell they're kind of torn up, and especially like Kenji. I love he's in the back of like all those sequences after that moment, just like shell shocked. And I I really yeah. love his shift of character between this first season at the end of this season. And then even throughout the, the second season, he's, he's like a totally different guy. And I love, I love that character so much. He's so emotional. He's such a, a supportive character. And uh, I really like that. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, all of them, uh, but Kenji, especially um, just seeing how much being with these, with this group, with this family, uh how it is uh been you know mostly just a really positive thing in all the kids lives yeah so moving into season two uh what was your what was your goal for like coming out of season one like uh did you have a goal you know in mind as you're beginning to to work on season two and, and to create that story 
Well, you know, because season two, it's like Colin had spoken to, you know, after season one, we're sort of free to our own devices, you know, yeah. so, you know, we're not we're not uh, married to the timeline of Jurassic World anymore. We got about six months till that opening sequence of Fallen Kingdom takes place. Yes, uh, yes. So we got now it's it's up to us. So, you know, all these episodes, yes, obviously the dinosaurs are very important, but at core, <laughs> we approach every episode from the characters. And what do we hope to see the characters growth in this? What can we illuminate new about the characters? How they uh, react and relate to one another? Because, you know, season two takes place, you know, a day or two, maybe after, after season one. So we are still... Yeah, we're still trying to survive. So we definitely wanted to get more into the okay. The I guess the Swiss Family Robinson of it all. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're here. We're stuck here until someone comes and rescues us. How can we make that happen? And what do we do? How do we survive in the meantime? You know, yeah. whether it's shelter or water or food, and also you know these kids are still just getting to know each other and, and interacting. So, uh, yeah. And also with like any season, you want to top the one that you did previously. So that, that was a goal. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be hard because you, like you said, you had to tie a lot of stuff in to Jurassic world. And that, that was certainly like one of the coolest moments, you know, those touchstone moments throughout the first season. So being able to explore, that's gotta be really fun. And I, I appreciate that. I loved being able to see, you know, different, uh, like that, 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 uh, what do you call it? the veterinary area area uh -huh. or, or the, uh, adventure, I think it was like an adventure walk or something like that. Like this is really cool. Like to be able to explore these different places and, and main street, the tunnels, like there's so many cool, uh, different places to explore. Yeah. I mean, the, to your original question. Yeah. We also wanted, we wanted to introduce some new dinosaurs for me as a T-Rex lover. I wanted more because <laughs> we yeah. couldn't, we couldn't do it in season one. It would have wouldn't have made sense within the timeline. So, yeah. uh, and also, we wanted to see some uh, some areas that you haven't seen in the films or you haven't seen them on the show, and just you know, let's let's uh, discover more about Isla Nublar. Yeah, I love the Rex in this season, and uh, she looks beautiful. Like you know, just. And the, like new new um, features and things like that, what, like the nesting and all that stuff, really really cool like introductions. Actually, that kind of goes out to all the dinosaurs, you know. And and that seemed like a big part of this season was showing how the dinosaurs are changing and how you know a a, a, a broken park kind of lends to them reclaiming this island. And I really liked seeing that. Um, that was pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that whole opening sequence. Uh, of the of, of the first episode when it's just kind of sitting in like okay dinosaurs this is now your island right this yeah, doesn't yeah. belong to the people or the commercialism or anything this is their island now so what does that look like yeah that that's that has me like thinking and wondering about like the future and and uh, you don't have to say anything about it but just like i'm going in my mind i'm like all right so rexy builds a nest here in, in in the park and i'm like man what is she doing out in the wild in in california you know where they're broken free and uh right. in jurassic world fallen kingdom i'm like thinking that's a cool setup for 
the life of a dinosaur, you know, that, that yeah. is now free completely. Well, you know, they're not, you know, like we've said, I think we probably talked about before, they're not monsters. These are animals. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've really treated each of them as uh, not only just animals or obstacles, but they're characters. And so, yeah, you want to, as much as you can, just do them justice as much as we're doing justice to, to the campers. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a few people that are definitely not doing justice uh, to the dinosaurs, and and uh, it's it's surprising, you know. Like I I did not expect like a a, a new group uh, of people to show up here. I kind of just thought like, hey, we're gonna just follow these kids, or you know, maybe we'll follow the threads of Manicore or something like that. But hey, we get some new people uh, who who you know you play them off of these like. They're, they're kind of annoying, like with the whole like, all right, babe, hey, babe, hey, babe, and I'm like, oh gosh, who are these people? What are the what are their intents? And then all of a sudden, like uh, later on in in one of the episodes, it gets really dark. Actually, it gets pretty, I guess you could say, grim. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like shooting grim, just like straight in in the face. I guess it was just like brutal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is dark. And uh, that was that was pretty incredible. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we took some swings. Uh, we, we, we pulled back some places as well, but, uh, you know, you, when you have characters like this, look, we don't take any of the, whether it's a kid show or not, we don't take any of the fatalities lightly and whenever possible, it's important to us to make it like, okay, <laughs> that person deserved to get eaten. Yeah, you know, yeah. or not, it's <laughs> it's Eddie stealing the van uh, in season one, or even the 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 park worker who gets eaten in one hundred and four, which uh, which I actually do the voice of. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the first one to get eaten by the Indominus. Um, oh, that's awesome. And even he was being kind of a jerk to the kids, which is uh -huh. kind. of but you know what I mean, like. But with with uh, which with Mitch and Tip, we really wanted. You know, it's like any of the films; you want to feel it like they got what they deserved. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it got <laughs> it got grim. But uh, yeah. in the end, I hope everyone feels satisfied that yeah, they uh, they had that coming to them. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That that I think you know was something that worked for me really well. Was like. All right, so now Mitch is strung up. Uh, I think you're like in a tree, and he just the Rexy's Rexy's coming straight at him. You know what happens there, and that whole like that ending sequence where they're they're rushing out to the boat. That was that was awesome. And there's that one little glimpse of the Baryonyx just sprinting past. It's like a like a very quick shot as everybody else is going to the dock. I love that moment because you're like, all right, I know what's happening here. And, uh, you know, she makes a, a bad call by looking backwards and kind of crashes in. And that's why I'm, I'm assuming they jump on right there. But like that was that was pretty awesome. Lovely oh, fates, I think, for both of those characters. <laughs> I feel like they got they got what was coming to them. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so for this this season, uh well, actually, kind of spanning like the production just in general. Um, when you're creating the series, are you looking at it like as a season by season thing, or is this like one? You're just like writing like a long narrative. Like, how do you break this up? Well, it's it's actually both of those things. Um, you do look at it as a as a uh, as an arc for the season. 
Um, but you also have to keep an eye on, okay, what's the overall story, you know, that we're telling, you know, and then mm-hmm. hopefully you get enough, uh, they give you enough runway to, to, to take off and land the, the airplane. So, yeah. so yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a plan, you know, uh, in my head, I know what the, I want the final shot of the show to be. Uh, and hopefully we get to do, we get there, but yeah, there's a, it's twofold. You are thinking about it as a season long arc, you know, where, you know, Mitch and Tiff, the big game hunters. And, and now we start, okay, enough of waiting for rescue. Let's get ourselves uh, out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved that this season, it kind of surprised me and I'm maybe on your end, obviously not as shocking, but like the fact that it was just like, what was it like four months later i was like oh my gosh season two here we go i'm ready that that was pretty awesome that turnaround time was amazing <laughs> yeah it, it keep, uh, exciting for me too because i just want people to see it uh yeah it did and uh, uh you know they, i don't have they don't ask me about these things they just they <laughs> inform me, oh, we're gonna put it out in january it's like yeah great. <laughs> uh so yeah, uh, I you know I don't know if that has in part to do with uh, Dominion getting pushed, um, but uh, whatever the reason, I'm happy about it. I, I want yeah. I want people uh, want people to see the show. Yeah, you know that that I did think about that as well because I was like, well, if this is four four months or so later, like what's next? What do we have? But then I was thinking about Dominion and how how does that affect you? Because I know like you guys had Colin working like with you at times and stuff like that. Does this, does the pushing of this and also like COVID restrictions or anything like that, has it been tough on your, your workflow for, uh, for any of these uh, shows or seasons? You know, uh, surprisingly, and it's just a testament to our crew. Uh, we, you know, we got, boy, I guess end of season one when, you know, we've all been working from home since March. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was like a couple weeks of a learning curve uh, but really, we didn't end up really pushing, maybe pushed a couple deadlines, but not by very much. So we were really able to adapt and, and keep moving. So uh, overall, minor, uh, you know, the, the harder part is the effect that this has. Now we're all, we're not together. Now uh, you, you don't want people to be feeling isolated and, and you, you know, you you that that's you know the 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 human toll is much more my concern than you know whether or not we we hit our deadlines. So everyone is uh, you know they they it's been pretty impressive to see what the, what this crew uh, has done in the face of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, you don't see any uh, issues in quality, and and you know the the just the industry in general, like, it's pretty impressive just how much can be turned out from working from home and stuff like that. So that's, that's awesome. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think this is going to change, you know, even moving forward once we're past this nightmare, uh, that this is going to, I think, change uh, some things about how animation is done because, you know, it can be done this way. And mm-hmm. so what does that mean going forward? So I'll just have to say, yeah, yeah, and the, the animation itself, uh, again, just like gorgeous. Is there any? There's no difference between like your seasons, right? You just it's all the same process and stuff like that. Because like the it dinosaurs is. look beautiful. You know, it is, but I think like anything else, like 
you get used, to, you know, whether it's Dan Godinez or our crew over at CGCG or any of the other animators, uh, you know, you just become more more comfortable. You get you start to know the rigs better. You start, you know, like the writers, we know the characters better or the artists like, OK, the characters move this way. They this is how you know. it's just. The familiarity, like with anything, I think has led to just just an upping of the game uh, across the board. Just yeah. the, getting more familiar. When you get more familiar with these characters and with these surroundings, it, it just uh, then you can focus and go deeper. Yeah, and uh, the 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 animation and just the style of those baryonics in in this season, it's incredible. Like when they were walking around that lab sequence or. Uh, you know, which I love that, like that tall grass moment <laughs> really cracked me up when they're just like, oh, we got to go hide the tall grass. And then it's just like, poof, right through. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to put it, that made me laugh too. Uh, yeah. uh, and so, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, you have to have those little moments because uh, otherwise the show can be pretty relentless if you don't have some moments of relaxation, whether it's at the resting tree or the baryonics uh -huh. through the tall grass, you know, you, you, uh, you need those lighter moments to release that tension before it oh. goes. Back. One of those, one of those would happen to be the, uh, would, would is a Dave's mixtape or, or whatever you <laughs> call it. That, that is so funny to me. You know, Dave's demos was something we had just kicked around. I don't know. I think it just came out of us talking in the writer's room and just <laughs> really made us laugh. And, uh, and, and especially Bethany, uh, who wrote the, who wrote that episode, the watering hole, which, uh, mm -hmm. which I love. Um, so yeah, when she, uh, she brought Dave's demos back in there and back in there and we were all like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> And then Glenn Powell had a ball because we've got probably have an hour of him just free smiling. <laughs> we, we had an embarrassment of riches to cut oh. it down to, uh, to that. You, somehow that needs to find its way out onto the internet because that's too yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't sell, know where you sell it on iTunes or something. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Glenn just freestyling and 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 Dave's demos. That's amazing. And yeah. I'm sure you, you had to find a way to kind of work those two into the show because, you know, they they sent off on the, on the ferry at the end of season one. And uh, that was the only I think the only cameo right from season two. So they were such yeah. pivotal characters in the first season. Was did, did you like feel like you missed them uh, in the second season at all? Uh, well, you know, it. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you you're writing it before the, the first one comes out. So yes and no, because I thought they came off great in season one and they were so much fun. But at the end of the day, this is a show about kids coming yeah. on each other to survive. So yeah. we knew, you know, it's sort of like you just, you have to tell the story that makes sense. Like we had that beautiful Camp Cretaceous set and then we tore it down in the fourth episode. It was like, oh, man. Yeah. Normally in CG, you don't want to do that. You just want to, you know, you want to reuse these beautiful sets. But it's like, <laughs> this is what has to happen. I love Glenn and Jamila's performances. But for this story, it just, it, they, we had to get them out of there. Otherwise, you're going to have these kids who are going to be looking to them. And yeah. uh, so 
just it's just the way it had to be however painful it is i loved that thread in the first season where they 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 realize that the lab is right around the corner they run out there they find eddie and his birthday cake which is so funny to me i love that sequence but like it's that whole moment is actually really heartbreaking from the kids perspective because they are so reliant on adults and that's just their way of life and it like there's a moment i think darius says like but you're an adult you're supposed to know what to do and and uh that's heartbreaking because like now it's up to them to figure it out um because look they tried to rely on adults again and that just didn't work out (laughs) yeah you know you're exactly right and the look at our world and look at the kids in our world today and yeah it's all yeah, up to them yeah it, it is up to them you know we've you know just in the same way that Wu and Mizrani or whoever kind of made a hash of things on, on Nublar <laughs> it's up to the kids to kind of fix the, the 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 troubles that the previous generation has wrought and and yeah, it's it's uh, that was a hard lesson for the for the kids kids to have to learn right then and there. Yeah. So with the with the show, you, you had mentioned it earlier on, like that uh, it kicks off kind of like maybe a day or two later. Um, but there's a lot. There's there must be a big span of time. Do you have like a general like timeline as far as like you know them building everything and like where does this? How long does this season take place? Like within. You know, there's uh, there's. There's a there's definitely a time jump from the time that the kids like yeah start sketching out the uh, what the camp could look like and then the building of it. So yeah, in my mind you know I you know we don't have it completely hatched, but that's like probably six to eight weeks. There's like that jump where the kids are now figuring out getting into the the, the Swiss Family Robinson of it yeah. all. Um, you know, originally we were going to do more of that stuff, and then we just sort of uh, ran out of. Uh, oh, uh, we just kind of uh, ran out of. Uh, we just did, we had too much story we wanted to get to. So yeah, that's probably like a six to eight week jump right there in the building of it. So I'd say overall, yeah, yeah probably a couple months. Yeah, it has to be you know fairly long because they built a really impressive place, uh, and that yeah. one that one moment where. Um, you know, Yaz is basically giving up on everything. She doesn't know who she is without her her speed and all that. And then she, you know, just flips the script and she like, you know, she realizes she has another trait that's really impressive. And I love that moment, her figuring out like, oh, I could design this, you know, uh, Swiss Family Robinson house. Like that, that that's awesome. I really like that that part of the show. Well, I'm glad because you know that was we really. You know, like I said, you want to get into, you want to give all the characters their time in the sun and and you just dive deeper and just, and also as a lesson, you know, you can't just define yourself by, you know, what other people think of you or what you imagine is this is all you can do. It's like kids have a whole wealth of stuff inside that they may not even know. So it's just, yeah, gotta, yeah. gotta just keep fighting. Yeah. This show is, it's like literally all about, you know, not being who you're either seen to be or how people project you to be like every character I think is, is that way. And it's really cool. You know, even Brooklyn with her 27 million followers, like the way that they think she is. And, uh, and Kenji's like having a hard time giving up his like, 
rich kid attitude, but he wants to so bad. And Ben's got his like mother overshadowing him and stuff like that. There's so many cool aspects like that. And yeah. uh, I love yeah. that. It's got a lot, of heart. a lot of heart. Well, that's, that's, uh, again, that's not by accident either. And we were definitely, <laughs> that's definitely what we were, we're going for. So, uh, I do have a, another one here. This is about the toys. So I don't know if you, I think we talked about toys a little bit in uh, our last conversation, but um, going into season one, uh, you know, I think the toys were out just a, a little bit beforehand. And we actually happened to see like around that time, stuff like the Ceratosaurus and the Baryonics, like, uh, you know, before season one. So when season one's coming up, we're like, oh, I can't wait to see how this Baryonics plays into the show. And then season one comes and we're like, oh, <laughs> I guess I guess it doesn't. <laughs> so how how is that hard? Is it is it like difficult for you guys? Like when you're when you see that stuff released or anything, or do you even care or notice it? Like yeah, I quiet notice it. Stuff? But, you know, at the end of the day, they just hired me to try to make the best show uh, I can make. So again, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> this is not something they they go, hey, what do you think about putting these toys out now? It's like no, they're not. That for somebody else. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it is like because then you again you you build up this expectation. Oh, these trio of baryonyxes. And, yeah. like, and then I'm like talking to you for season one. It's like, well, who knows what we're gonna see? You know. So uh, yeah. Uh, you know. I, uh, luckily, I guess it built up even more anticipation, and now people can finally yeah. finally see uh, Limbo. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, well, now we're getting to the point where it seems like Mattel is kind of just putting, as far as it seems, like any kind of dinosaurs into the Camp Cretaceous, like banner, and it's like now we're all like, oh my god, what is what? What is happening? Like, where are these things coming from? Yeah. So it's it's all confusing now. But now I think we're like taking a deep breath and realizing, you know, all right, well, let's yeah. just take it like one one day at a time. Yeah, I and I and I can confirm that not every dinosaur, yeah. Out there the Camp Cretaceous is going to appear in the show. Uh, yeah, that's, wish, that's kind of what it seems like. Be, but, you know, <laughs> we, we, but, we just can't do it. Yeah, those Baryonics were cool because we got, um, I think, Limbo uh, in a Darius package, and then Grim got its own pack, and Chaos um, actually seems like the same one that you see in Fallen Kingdom. I know we kind of mentioned that with Toro, too, but like that one <laughs> actually like looks very, very similar like in design as the one that's in the, uh, the tunnels. Yeah, it kind of does. doesn't it, Brad? <laughs> And you know, the fact that we got that toy, uh, you know, years ago, back in 2018, it's a great, you know, now you got them all together. They look good together. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I noticed, I noticed that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. And it was nice again, because there was so much like, fanfare when those toys came out and oh like, yeah you know finally finally we can deliver on that promise yeah it's it's always exciting when when we see new toys in general and uh you know the camp cretaceous brand or just the the standard brand but like you know now we're getting the snap squad those like tiny ones and there's so many things out there and hopefully hopefully they produce more humans i would love to see that for because like i love these characters and i want to see that uh in our lines eventually so fingers, uh, crossed. I would love we'll fingers crossed yeah i'd love that too because you know paul uh paul mckell you know he's yeah. got an figure and you know i really would love for the rest of the, <sighs> the rest of the kids to be out there you know i and again i have, i have yeah. nothing to do with any of that but i would love for because 
you know, as I'm always talking about how hard and, and amazing our crew works and our writers, but this cast, they're just great people and they've done such an amazing job as far as, you know, really embodying that heart that we are trying to get out there. So I would yeah. love for them all to be able to have their own action figures. How cool would uh, that be? That, that would be awesome. I mean, uh, uh, Brooklyn kind of got that uh, in this season in, in a way, which was okay. another like comical moment and actually pretty fun just like to know that, oh, uh, you know, here's another reason why she's tied to the park because she's got this, I guess, like a sponsorship or something like that. She's got these cardboard cutouts. That was super fun. That was awesome. Yeah, she's sponsoring <laughs> phone chargers, which was <laughs> pretty funny. So, hey, any any way you can build out the the stores on Main Street is good with me. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We we talked about the kids hiding out in Margaritaville, but then it just didn't work with our our age demo. Uh, so <laughs> uh, okay, well we won't we won't do that. Yeah, that's got to be tough because like that's the prime real estate. That's where it's, it would be good to hang out. But uh, a T Rex, you know, took took a, yeah. took the entire street over. So it's kind of tough. <laughs> makes it hard to, to go there. So uh, kind of rounding it out here, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure you can't say much about it at all, but uh, E750, uh, this, uh, like I said, it's got to be tough to discuss, but can you give us any thoughts or, or inspiration on this, this project or whatever it is, like anything, anything at all? Huh. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. fair, that's fair and fans uh no but i mean um i will say you know it's it's right there in episode two when brooklyn sees it on woo's uh yeah on, on woo's uh computer so you know it was something that woo was working on or keeping tabs on that that's something that i'm just like i'm keeping my eyes peeled because that's that's a really cool thing and a really cool detail that whatever is happening there and it's you guys obscure it so much to the point where like it's like barely even there and you're just like as a viewer i'm like i have no idea like what is happening here what is going on and uh so yeah you pulled it off you didn't you didn't like tip your hand or anything like that it's it's pretty awesome so good good to hear you know like i said just putting a little tiny detail like a, in a throwaway thing of Brooklyn before she gets caught in Wu's office. And that's, uh, yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm glad it intrigued you. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, like, what was your favorite part of this season? Uh, Development-wise or story-wise, do you have something that stands out for you? Well, it's, you know, it's funny, an episode that we didn't talk about, the, the, the Ben and Bumpy mm. survival yeah, uh, I forgot about that. episode, I just love. Um, and, and Lindsay Kearns did a great script for that and Eric Elrod and, uh, and, uh, the director as well as the other EP, uh, Aaron Hammersley, uh, and, uh, they just really dug into that. And, you know, when we started the show, I knew I wanted to do the idea of doing a show, uh, an episode with very little dialogue and uh, just a straight up survival story. Um, yeah, so that, you know, I, I really like how, how the season turned out a lot. That episode uh, in particular has a, has a place in my heart and, and, uh, just seeing, uh, the evolution of Ben and, uh, you know, and, and hopefully, uh, no one's too upset that 
that Bumpy isn't smelling and adorable anymore. Oh, I know yeah. that was that was it was a little heartbreaking a little bit, but also like Bumpy coming out at, at uh, after a few days of being uh, or however long I, I guess maybe yeah. a lot longer. Um, that that was pretty impressive. Like the design of Bumpy at, at I guess an adult stage or or whatever she's at. Like, like a juvenile, but definitely bigger. Yeah. yeah, real pretty big. Um, the color scheme, everything about Bumpy was just super impressive. Uh, really, really loved Bumpy uh, in this yeah. season. But yeah, it's it's a, it's sad to kind of leave the cute, like cuddly one uh, behind. You know, she yeah. she bounced away at the end and then just trotted at the very end of uh, episode eight, and then now now she's massive. <laughs> yeah, and that was her. And also, like that's one of those things when you see the response. Like we had talked about the baby Yoda like love for Bumpy, and then you're yeah. going, okay, well, <laughs> the, the story has to keep marching on, and Bumpy is gonna <laughs> gonna grow, and she's got that uh, accelerated uh, growth uh, thing that we talked yeah. about. In episode two so hopefully people won't mind too much i, I love her uh small or big so um yeah so yeah, yeah but that, that i i love so much of this season and you know whether it's putting different care like that whole kenji and and yaz uh stuff uh uh and uh or just putting Darius and Brooklyn at odds or whatever it is. Uh, I, I like so much of the character dynamics in this one, but, uh, yeah, the, the Ben, Ben and Bumpy alone episode, uh, is a real big place in my heart. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a good one. I love, uh, Ben's transformation. It's believable to me, you know, the fact that he, you know, becomes somebody who has to stand up for himself. And he did at the end of uh, season one. So mm -hmm. it was kind of just a natural progression to be like, all right, now, now he's going to take charge a little bit. Um, not Almost not enough to get past Toro for a long time, but, yeah. but uh, eventually, eventually. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, you know, just to, you know, dig into it even more, uh, that's why Bumpy had to leave that story because, you know, you kind of get the feeling that in, when Ben climbs up on the monorail. He's almost doing it for Bumpy. You know, he's almost doing oh, it yeah. to keep Bumpy and his friends safe. And we really wanted, we wanted to feel like Ben did it for Ben. Uh, and and so that's how that uh, that went out. Oh, I also should mention, yeah, the uh, the score that Leo Berenberg did for for that episode too. I mean, he always does an amazing job, but he it was a little bit of a departure, and it was really all him and. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the score kind of it, it just got away from me the first time that I watched the second season. After watching the first season so many times, I, there's so many great moments uh, score wise. Um, and the second season, one part that stood out to me specifically was like after Grimm was shot and then the Barry that the other two Baryonics kind of come out of the jungle and they like realize what just happened. There's a, it's really like heartfelt kind of emotional score there. And uh, that's that's always one of my um most exciting things is seeing dinosaur expression, I guess you could say, like how do they react to certain circumstance and seeing, you know, one of their fallen uh, family members, I guess uh, just it's, it's brutal. It's sad, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, how you, how we approach that, that they're actual characters, but you got to balance that with their actually animals as well. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, 
you you can't go too far where they I, I think we meant they, they can't feel like like scrappy do uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know they, they have to feel you know legit Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much. Uh, very insightful, uh, you know, to get some more information here uh, for season two. I, I had a blast with it. Uh, you know, th seeing these these kids come up against uh, some new stuff and especially like uncovering uh, uh, a Sinoceratops head that's just been lopped off i get like yeah it's some brutal stuff that they had to go through so <laughs> you know you you kind of you open it up to all kinds of audiences and uh i appreciate that i think it's a lot of fun and uh i i'm excited for everybody to see it at, at this point they probably have already so yeah, yeah thanks well, so much you know, ben uh, and thank you and i'm i'm, I'm glad i'm really glad you enjoyed it and uh, just a big thanks to you and tom and all your listeners and and uh, everyone in the whole fan community have been so supportive uh, of the project. And, uh, you know, we uh, we just want to keep entertaining y'all. And so thank, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, I appreciate you all. Well, there you have it. That was my conversation with Scott Kramer, the executive producer on Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, giving us uh, all kinds of juicy details as far as season one and season two goes. I was really excited to talk about both of those things. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope there's a lot of potential for the future because season two really set up some pretty phenomenal things that I'm hoping we see paid off in some form or fashion in the future. You know, I think we should celebrate this season, season two, with as much excitement uh, as we'd expect from, say, the final season. If this, if we were to get no more seasons of this show, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to rewatch this show over and over, make sure it's trending over on Netflix. So go tell your family, go tell your friends, rewatch this thing a bunch of times, and uh, keep our fingers crossed that there's more content coming in the future from the Camp Cretaceous team. Again, a huge thanks to Scott for joining me here today. And of course, uh, a big, big shout out to DreamWorks uh, for, you know, giving us the time to talk with Scott and, and to give us this amazing show and let us watch the show a little bit early. So we're really, really thankful for that over here at the podcast. So thank you to everybody out there for listening. Please go to JurassicParkPodcast.com. Find all of our episode show notes. You can find uh, spoiler-based articles over there from Tom Fishenden. You can also find a spoiler-based video from Tom over on our YouTube channel with so much other content over there as well. Please go follow us over on Twitter at JurassicParkPod. You can find us on Instagram at JurassicParkPodcast. You can find us over on Facebook as well. Just look for us there. And of course, please download the podcast on any of your podcasting platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. It's on Audible now. It's everywhere you can find it. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. And of course, enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.